0: The purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals. Listeners should consult their healthcare practitioner before attempting any treatment. Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guest, Dr. David Kayat, is the head of medical oncology at the Pitié Salpetriere Hospital in Paris. He is a past president of the National Cancer Institute in France and was appointed by the French president at the time to head their war on cancer. Dr. Kayat also co-founded the World Summit Against Cancer and was awarded the American Society of Clinical Oncology Distinguished Achievement Award. Dr. Kayat is here today on Health Watch to talk about his latest best-selling book, The Anti-Cancer Diet, Reduce Cancer Risk Through the Food You Eat. Welcome to Health Watch, Dr. David Kayat.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, at the beginning of your book, uh, The Anti-Cancer Diet, you you present some statistics that are very interesting. One, how widespread cancer is in the West. One out of two men will get cancer. One out of three women will get cancer. And it kills more people worldwide than AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria combined. Um, But another thing that was interesting about that section was – that it's not just a disease of the old we think of it as as a disease of the elderly but it's actually quite common in younger people
1: yes indeed it's not just the, just interesting it's threatening and i have to say that even for myself i'm I'm squared by the idea of having this disease. There's so many cases all around us. Um, indeed, it's uh, according to the World Health Organization, the WHO, they, there's been 10 million new cases in the year 2000, leading to unfortunately 6 million deaths all around the world. But a Prediction is that by the same organization, the the WHO, is that in in 2020, just five years from now, there will be 20 million instead of 10 million, and there will be 10 million deaths instead of 6 million 20 years ago. So it's not only one man out of two and one woman out of three, is that what is just in front of us is even more threatening because the disease incidence is is growing all, all around the world. And indeed, cancer in our developed countries, such as the United States or many countries in Europe, is the first cause of premature death, which which means before the age of 65, which today is really a young age to die. So... um... So it's it, it's a terrible disease in terms of numbers and it's a terrible disease because it kills half of the people that are going to, to, to be affected by cancer will have less than sixty five at the time at the onset of the disease and that besides big think, besides sometimes uh, eventually dying from this disease. The, the, the treatments are very heavy. The consequences of the treatment and of the disease are, are terrible for all these patients. so we are not g- dealing just dealing with another disease. We are dealing with the, the most uh, incredible predator of human beings today
0: so if if one third of cancers today are being caused by tobacco, if we remove that that third, what are the other two thirds of cancers uh,
1: caused well, by sorry there is one third that we can't do anything against that one third of cancers in human beings are due to in our countries are due to hormones you know male hormones testosterone gives prostate cancer in men and female hormones like estrogens are giving uh, uh, breast and 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 uh, uterus cancer in women that we can't do anything tobacco 30% hormones 30% then You have about uh, 5% that are totally hereditary, so it's genetic cause, such as Angelina Jolie, for instance. Uh, You have about 10% 10 that are related to some kind of infection, like hepatitis that gives liver cancer or HPV that gives uh, uh, cervical cancer. And uh, then you have about 5% of cases that are due to radiation, such as uh, UV uh, radiation from the sun and and, and all these type of irradiation. And then you will end up with 20% of all cases of cancer in our countries that can't be related to anything else than what you eat.
0: And do we have a sense of what percentage of all these cancers are, are considered preventable?
1: Well, we think that uh, one-third, uh, that's a very common uh, sentence that's being said all around the world by all the oncologists, that one-third of cancer could be prevented, one-third could be uh, uh, totally cured today, um, and, uh, uh, sorry, two-thirds of cancer could be, could be uh, cured. So we, we can imagine that. Uh, One-third of all cancer, 30 35%, can be completely prevented by acting on tobacco, on, on diet, on sun exposure, on uh, vaccination against, against some of the oncogenic viruses, uh, uh, bacteria and, and infectious agents. So th- there are things to do indeed. Well, you,
0: you point out some things um, that are country-specific at the beginning of the anti-cancer diet. For instance, that Japanese women have far less breast cancer than Americans, but when they move to America within a couple generations, they have the same breast cancer risk as Americans, which obviously points to environmental or lifestyle uh, factors. But one thing that I really appreciated about the anti-cancer diet, before we start talking about some of these these uh, scientific discoveries we know about nutrition and, and Cancer risk is that you really stress that it's important to take a lot of the nutritional science skeptically because nutritional science is a very uh, problematic and complicated science to do. Can you tell us why uh, what, what are the challenges around studying nutrition and, and why a lot of these studies are are essentially flawed studies?
1: Yes. Um, two things. One is that you know I'm seeing patients uh, with cancer every day, and you can't imagine how many patients are at some point of the of the discussion are telling me that uh, somebody have told them that they should stop uh, drinking milk or having dairy products, or another one stopping uh, eating um, red meat, or another one drinking wine or whatever. I mean, every day, every week, on on some newspaper, on some magazine, or, or anywhere uh, on the net, there's somebody that think he has found the miraculous treatment to prevent cancer. So that's, that's why I started to, to write this book, to, to really look at the truth and only the truth and stop with all these myths. The second thing when you, you, you're talking about how it, why is it so complex uh, to understand the relationship between what you eat and the risk of having a cancer It's because most of the studies that have been published are are studies that are being done on animals, laboratory animals, you know, mice and rats and all these things. But the problem is that why they are not relevant to what is happening to us as human beings for for two reasons. One is that all these animals are perfectly twins. They are genetically absolutely the same. They are produced by factory and owls. Twins, uh, all of them, if you take 200 mice, they're going to have the same genes. If they have the same genes, that means that they have the same enzymes because, you know, the enzymes are produced according to the, to the chromosomes, to the, your genes. If you have, if they have the same enzymes, the way they are going to digest what they eat is going to be absolutely identical between all of them. Now, it's totally different from our situation because we're all different. I mean, our genes between you and me and everybody are completely different. This is why genetically we are, all of us, absolutely unique. If we are different, means that means that our enzymes to digest the food are going to be different. And this is why we are not having the same digestion. You and me, we can eat exactly the same meal. You might stay with the same weight. I might get some extra weight. You might have a, a, a good digestion. I, might, I may have some, you know, heaviness and, and, and difficulty to digest. The, within that comparison between diversity of human beings and, and the fact that all the animals are exactly the same and therefore not relevant to the human situation, the, the diet of these animals in the lab are very simple. They eat normally only the, what you know the grains that you gave them and they eat that they're happy the complexity of what we eat as human beings is tremendous how can you decide how can you imagine the role of let's say um, some um, some fries that you have had within your meal when you know that maybe we, that fries may have interfered with some salad that you have taken to start or some eggs or some mushroom, and then you may have had some pasta or you may have had some, uh, uh, I don't know, some fish, and then you have your meat that may be well done or rare or big or small with your French fries. The oil that you, have been, you are going to use to fry your fries is not going to be the same, and then you may have a fruit or a pastry. Don't you think that all these things are going to interfere and therefore it's going to be very difficult to understand within all this food what's going to, what was the role of the french fries or the steak or the fish or what one element. The the last thing about why these animal studies are not relevant at all and the vast majority of the studies in the world are, are being done in animals is because it's very easy to take 200 mice in the lab and divide into two groups. One group will continue to eat the normal animal food, and the other one you give only one thing, the same thing, to eat every day for one year, whatever you like, I mean some uh, specific cheese, for instance. And at the end of that year, you can, you can count the number of cancers in the two groups and say eating that cheese has increased or has Decrease the number of cancer, but you cannot do that on human. There is no a group of such a thing like a group of human beings that are going to accept to eat only one thing every day for one year. So you are facing uh, two levels of complexity: the diversity of our genes and the complexity of our food. That makes that everything that's not being done on human beings is not relevant to the real situation.
0: In case you just tuned in, we're talking today to Dr. David Kayat about his book, The Anti-Cancer Diet, Reduced Cancer Risk Through the Foods You Eat. So uh, given that that caveat, we still have some information we've been able to glean from epidemiological studies and other, and other methods of studying, let's, let's talk some about some of these food categories and, and what we do know. And what's really interesting in your book, The Anti-Cancer Diet, is while we, we've seen that there are a lot of studies that suggest eating less red meat and more fish is good for cardiovascular disease and for um, diabetes potentially, uh, it's not necessarily the right uh, advice for cancer prevention.
1: Well, here we have two things in what you said. The fish. Actually, the small fishes are very good for your health. What is bad is the big fishes such as salmon, red tuna, swordfish, and halibut. There are numerous studies that, I've shown, uh, that I show in, in the book that have shown that in, in, these four, in these four different types of big fish, there are such a huge quantity today of heavy metals that are carcinogens of the highest possible level. I mean, they are very, pot- very potent carcinogens. These are the mercury, the cadmium, the arsenic, and the lead. Uh, sometimes, and I give the table of different um, fish that have been fished in different harbors in the United States in the book, you can see that sometimes you get a, a, a quantity of these heavy metals in a piece of salmon, for instance, or halibut or swordfish, that is over the threshold that defines a potential mine of whatever this metal. So f- meaning that sometimes you get more cadmium in a piece of these big fishes than in a handful of land coming from a cadmium mine. So these big fish are very, very dangerous. Not only that, but also it has been shown that these uh, this fish and professionally the salmon is full of what we call PCB. The the organic can- car- carcinogens that have the particularity to stay in your body for 20 to 30 years giving cancer. These are the dioxin, the Paralene. Uh, I don't know if you're, the people hearing uh, us uh, remember the the Cervezo uh, thing that happened about 30 or 40 years ago in Italy, all this, the, the, the catastrophes that happened. That So uh, that these fish are not good. The other fish are very good. Actually, there's very good fish, very good um, diet, food, and, and everything. The, regarding the meat, the red meat. Well, before you go, meat,
0: Dr. Kaya, sorry. before you go to the meat, can you just tell us what are the best fish? What are the fish that you would most recommend people eat?
1: Well, you know, uh, I think that um, I would say very simply everything besides the four I-, I named, but it can be uh, code, it can be uh, hearings, it can be soul, it can be, uh, you know, all this uh, um, uh, bar, which is CBAS. Uh, These kinds of small fish are very good for your health because they are not contaminated. Okay, and don't great. think that if you take a wild salmon, for instance, is going to be better. Because, you know, it's not the food we give to the animals uh, that, gives, uh, that contaminated them, it's the water. We have thrown up uh, batteries full of cadmium for a century. And these have been thrown in in, in the land, coming to the, the, the rivers, the rivers to the ocean. And now whatever you is going to happen, these big fish are going to be totally, totally contaminated. So, uh, you know, there is a big study made by the French government that has shown that 70% of the contamination by this very dangerous PCB of the French population is just related to the eating of salmon. 70%. Wow. So... We're not talking about something... Uh, well, that doesn't mean... Be, be careful, because it's true for everything. That doesn't mean that you cannot eat salmon or red tuna or swordfish. That means because we have some system that repair all the mutations that this cadmium and mercury are, are pro- provoking in our genes and, therefore, the risk of having a cancer. We have very good system to detect this mutation in our DNA, in our chromosome, and repair them, so, therefore, pre- preventing the, the onset of cancer. But, you know, don't ask... the system to repair that every day 10 times a day. Uh, so sometimes you know once in a while having some sushi having some halibut is, is okay there is no problem about that. But uh, we know people I have a, one of my patients that that had to be recovered in intensive care unit because her kidneys were blocked because she had a totally total contamination by mercury and this was due to the fact that she was eating the same Raw fish, sushi every day, only salmon. Lunch and dinner, lunch and dinner, and after years of that diet, she had so much mercury in her blood that she became became sick.
0: Well, let's let's move on to the question of red meat, which is actually a, a complex question uh, with a complex uh, answer.
1: Yes, yeah, so I'm going to try to make it simple. But first, processed meat—that for sure is very bad, and uh, the industrial processed meat even worse. Now, let's talk about the, the red meat. Uh, all the studies have shown that uh, the, 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 uh, when you eat, the way American people are eating red meat increases the risk of developing some types of cancer. This includes colorectal cancer and breast cancer, for instance, but many others. The point is that when we, Europeans, are talking about meat and you, U.S., uh, Americans are, are talking about meat, the red meat. Are we talking about the same thing? It happened, that not. Why? First of all, if we speak about grams of red meat per week or per month and compare to population, those that are eating and those who are not eating the red meat, we, 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 we are not talking about the same thing because 100 grams of filet, in Europe, on the average, is about 150 calories for 100 grams. Where in the United States, on the average, 100 grams of the same filet is about 300 calories, so twice more calories. The lipids, which is the, the fat in the, in the meat, on the average, 100, 100 grams of filet is 4% fat. In the United States, on the average, it's 24% fat, so six times more. So when we talk about 100 grams of filet per week, We're not talking about the same thing, you and us. The second thing is that most of the studies that have been published in human beings about the relationship between red meat and cancer are not talking about grams per week or per day. They're talking about portions of red meat. Now, there are studies that have shown that, on an average, one portion of red meat in Europe is about 70 grams, where one portion of U.S. steak is about 200 grams. And we know when we come to the United States and go to Steakhouse, I mean, this big steaks. So when a U.S. researcher is talking about one person, he's talking, in fact, of two or three of our patients. Last, you have to understand that not only the product is important, it's how you process it. And 70% of the French people like the meat either raw, or, which means carpaccio or tartar steak, or rare. Whether 70% of the Americans like the food over. You know, very well cooked, even marked with the flame, like, you know, in the old times. And we know that, one, when it's marked with the flame, the meat starts to contain uh, products that are very carcinogenic, exactly the same that you have in cigarettes. So what I mean is that we can eat red meat but in smaller quantity, We should, and and there is a big study, the the last one that has been published in the United States, the conclusion of the researcher was that if in the United States people could reduce their their, uh, red meat to 50% of what they they eat actually, the overall risk of cancer would disappear. Mm -hmm. And this is why I think, you know, we can learn things from one part of the world diet to another part of the world diet and what we've learned here where in europe we don't have that significant increase of cancer risk because of the way we eat red meat is that you should try to make a a, a meat that's less fat less hormones less cooked when you prepare it not marked by the flame uh, and uh, and if possible with smaller portions
0: Well, another interesting part, Dr. Kayad, of your book, The Anti-Cancer Diet, is around fruits and vegetables. You you say that fruits and vegetables are actually the main source of carcinogenic substances in our diet, namely pesticides, fungicides, and nitrates. So would would it follow then that eating organic produce and maybe thoroughly washing our produce is, is an important part of a cancer prevention regimen?
1: Yes, uh, it, it's very important. Unfortunately, you have to, to know that washing your fruits and vegetables with water is not going to to, to uh, wash the pesticides because the pesticides, most of them are just are not hydrosoluble, soluble in water. They are liposoluble, soluble in, in some fat. So if you want to get rid by washing the pesticide by washing your fruits and vegetables, what you have to do is to put a little bit of soap, in the water, wash your fruits and vegetables, and then obviously wash them with normal water in order to, to get rid of the soap. The, the, the thing is that there is a, a very nice study that I've shown made in the United States in, 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 two, uh, in about five years ago, uh, which is the Avira Tanmal uh, working group. They have made more than 80,000 samples of fruits and vegetables during seven years, between 2000 and 2007, all over the United States. And what they found is that there is about 15 vegetables and fruits that are, they called it dirty 15. And there are about uh, a dozen of fruits and vegetables that are usually free. Of, uh, of pesticides are not dangerous they call it uh, the 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 clean uh the clean uh, dozen so you have to know that the risk is not the same with everything an asparagus and a pear, uh, an apple and and some berries are not going to be contaminated with, with contaminated with the same thing now it's obvious that it's better to eat um green foods uh organic food than to eat food that have been produced by uh, industries Um, The truth is that um, there is two kinds of contamination by the pesticides, and it's true also for many other things. What we call the domestic contamination is you and me, the fact that we eat a few fruits and a few vegetables every day containing maybe some pesticides and some carcinogenic substance. But the quantity we eat is not that much that it's going to, to provoke a cancer but there is also a professional exposure to carcinogens, pesticides, for instance. These are the people working in agriculture, for instance. They are using tons of pesticides, not microgram like us, and there the risk is very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is it in any case important to talk about the pesticides and the carcinogens in, in the fruits or anywhere or the, in the heavy metals in the fish? Because we have changed during the last five, ten years, the way we look at cancer, what we call the paradigm of cancer, till uh, the beginning of the, two, of the year 2000 and, and, and 2000, 2005, we thought that cancer was usually due to the heavy action of a very potent carcinogens. like you smoke, you are going to have lung cancer. But we had to face the, the truth. The reality is that one smoker out of five or six is going to develop lung cancer, which means that the other ones... Looks like they could smoke regarding cancer, not the other disease they can have with smoking. But therefore, we started to have to change the way we look at cancer. And today, what we know, what we think, is that cancer is due to thousands and thousands and thousands of very little, very sweet, I mean soft carcinogens. Every day, a thousand times a day, you are getting some contact with something that gives cancer that any one of them, as a single agent at that dose of contamination would never give you cancer. But every time you get a little thing and you ask your repairing system to repair your DNA, at some point the repairing system becomes crazy and starts to give cancer, actually. Uh, so this is why even small doses of soft carcinogen, let's say if we can, uh, is, is also dangerous because at the, at the end of the day, is the the fact that you don't stop all over the, the hours to get in touch with this, uh, these substances that can cause cancer.
0: Well, Dr. Kayat, we're almost out of time, but before we finish, maybe you could speak about one or two uh, anti-cancer superfoods. I know you're a big proponent of of pomegranate juice and also yes. turmeric root. Uh, so maybe you could just speak to them briefly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a top seven thing that I think are, they are always good. There is no risk to, to take it uh, on extra quantity. This is pomegranate, turmeric, uh, green tea, broccoli, selenium, quercetin, and garlic. Uh, these have, have been shown to be very good antioxidants that can that can prevent, help to prevent cancer. But don't think one, there is a, one single miraculous food. I don't think there is one single food that is prohibited. It's just a question of quantity, proportion, and, and things like that. So promigranade, for instance, is, is a very potent uh, substance to prevent or help to prevent uh, prostate cancer and, 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 uh, and uh, breast cancer. Uh, so these kind of things should be really added in our diet every day uh, and try to help us to, to be happy and healthy.
0: And you, you mentioned also near the end of the book uh, around some suggestive studies around fasting as maybe being a preventative around uh, cancer if incorporated into a routine.
1: Well, on that point, we, we don't have the answer because the only study that we have are studies made in animals. And I said at the beginning of the interview that animal studies are not relevant to humans. But fortunately, there are several studies ongoing, clinical studies on human beings, on patients affected by cancer, to see if uh, fasting can help the, to, better, to have a better tolerance to chemotherapy or radiation, for instance, or help to, to increase the efficacy of these treatments. But up to today, we really do not know. And therefore, I do not advise patients today to fast until we know if it's really uh, good or deleterious or neutral.
0: So um, do you have a website you could point our listeners to, Dr.
1: Kayat? Uh, yes, I have a website. It's uh, David Kayat. Uh, it's www, uh, Professor David Kayat.
0: It was great having you on HealthWatch today. Thank you. We are talking today to Dr. David Kayat, uh, it's spelled K-H-A-Y-A-T, in case you want to go to his website, the author of The Anti-Cancer Diet, Reduce Cancer Risk Through the Foods You Eat. You've been listening to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David naming your host. Stay tuned for the rest of the Monday morning radio zine.